O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, May 21st. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Naso, and it means elevate. Numbers 7, 1-40 On the day that Moses finished setting up the Mishkan, he anointed and consecrated it and all its furnishings, as well as the altar and its utensils. When he had anointed and consecrated them, the chieftains of Israel, the heads of ancestral houses, namely the chieftains of the tribes, those who were in charge of enrollment, drew near and brought their offering before Hashem. Six draught carts and twelve oxen, a cart for every two chieftains and an ox for each one. When they had brought them before the Mishkan, Hashem said to Moses, Accept these from them for use in the service of the tent of meeting, and give them to the Leviim according to their respective services. Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Leviim. Two carts and four oxen he gave to the Gershonites as required for their service, and four carts and eight oxen he gave to the Merorites as required for their service, under the direction of Itamar, son of Aaron the Kohen. But to the Kohathites he did not give any, since theirs was the service of the most sacred objects, and their porterage was by shoulder. The chieftains also brought the dedication offering for the mitzvah upon its being anointed. As the chieftains were presenting their offerings before the altar, Hashem said to Moses, Let them present their offerings for the dedication of the altar, one chieftain each day. The one who presented his offering on the first day was Nashon, son of Aminadab of the tribe of Yehuda. His offering, one silver bowl weighing a hundred and thirty shekels and one silver basin of seventy shekels by the sanctuary weight, both filled 
with choice flour with oil mixed in for a meal offering. One gold ladle of ten shekels filled with incense, one bull of the herd, one ram and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one goat for a sin offering and for his sacrifice of well-being, two oxen, five rams, five he-goats, and five yearling lambs. That was the offering of Nashon, son of Amminadab. On the second day, Nathanael, son of Zuar, chieftain of Issachar, made his offering. He presented as his offering one silver bowl weighing 130 shekels and one silver basin of 70 shekels by the sanctuary weight, both filled with choice flour with oil mixed in for a meal offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one bull of the herd, one ram and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one goat for a sin offering, and for his sacrifice of well-being, two oxen, five rams, five he-goats, and five yearling lambs. That was the offering of Nathaniel, son of Zuar. On the third day it was the chieftain of the Zebulonites, Eliab, son of Helon, his offering, one silver bull weighing 130 shekels, and one silver basin of 70 shekels by the sanctuary weight, bowl filled with choice flour with oil mixed in for a meal offering, one gold ladle of ten shekels filled with incense, one bull of the herd, one ram and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one goat for a sin offering, and for his sacrifice of well-being, two oxen, five rams, five he-goats, and five yearling lambs. That was the offering of Eliab, son of Helon. On the fourth day it was the chieftain of the Reubenites, Elitzer, son of Shadur. His offering, one silver bull weighing 130 shekels and one silver basin of 70 shekels by the sanctuary weight, both filled with choice flour, with oil mixed in for a meal offering, one gold ladle of ten shekels filled with incense, one bull of the herd, one ram and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one goat for a sin offering, and for his sacrifice of well-being, two oxen, five rams, five he-goats, and five yearling lambs. That was the offering of Elitzer, son of Shadur. On the fifth day it was the chieftain of the Simeonites, Shelomiel, son of Zurishadai. His offering, one silver bull weighing 130 shekels and one silver basin of 70 shekels by the sanctuary weight, both filled with choice flour with oil mixed in for a meal offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one bull of the herd, one ram and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one goat for a sin offering. First Samuel 29, 1-31-13 The Philistines mustered all their forces at Aphek, while Israel was encamping at the spring in Israel. The Philistine lords came marching, each with his units of hundreds and of thousands. And David and his men came marching last, with Achish. The Philistine officers asked, Who are those Hebrews? Why, that's David, the servant of King Saul of Israel, Achish answered. The Philistine officers, He has been with me for a year or more, and I have found no fault in him from the day he defected until now. But the Philistine officers were angry with him, and the Philistine officer said to him, Send the man back. Let him go back to the place you assigned him. 
he shall not march down with us to the battle, or else he may become our adversary in battle. For with what could that fellow appease his master, if not with the heads of these men? Remember, he is the David of whom they sang as they danced. Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Achish summoned David and said to him, As Hashem lives, you are an honest man, and I would like to have you serve in my forces. For I have found no fault with you from the day you joined me until now. But you are not acceptable to the other lords. So go back in peace, and do nothing to displease the Philistine lords. David, however, said to Achish, But what have I done? What fault have you found in your servant from the day I appeared before you to this day, that I should not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Achish replied to David, I know, you are as acceptable to me as an angel of Hashem, but the Philistine officers have decided that you must not march out with us to the battle. So rise early in the morning, you and your lord's servants who came with you. Rise early in the morning and leave as soon as it is light. Accordingly, David and his men rose early in the morning to leave, to return to the land of the Philistines, while the Philistines marched up to Israel. By the time David and his men arrived in Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and against Ziglag. They had stormed Ziglag and burned it down. They had taken the women in it captive, low-born and high-born alike. They did not kill any, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the town and found it burned down, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive, David and the troops with him broke into tears until they had no strength left for weeping. David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Israel and Abigail, wife of Nabal, from Carmel. David was in great danger, for the troops threatened to stone him, for all the troops were embittered on account of their sons and daughters. But David sought strength in Hashem, his God. David said to the Kohen of Yartar, son of Ahimelech, Bring the ephod up to me. When Avyartar brought up the ephod to David, David inquired of Hashem, Shall I pursue those raiders? Will I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall overtake, and you shall rescue. So David and the six hundred men with him set out, and they came to the Wadi Besor, where a halt was made by those who were left to be left behind. David continued the pursuit with four hundred men. Two hundred men had halted, too faint to cross the Wadi Besor. They came upon an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. They gave him food to eat and water to drink, but he was also given a piece of pressed fig cake and two cakes of raisins. He ate and regained his strength, for he had eaten no food and drunk no water for three days and three nights. Then David asked him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? I am an Egyptian boy, he answered, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I fell ill three days ago. We had raided the Negev of the Cherethites, and the Negev of Yehuda, and the Negev of Caleb. We also burned down Ziglag. And David said to him, Can you lead me down to that band? He replied, Swear to me by Hashem that you will not kill me or deliver me into my master's hands, and I will lead you down to that band. So he led him down, 
And there they were, scattered all over the ground, eating and drinking and making merry because of all the vast spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Yehuda. David attacked them from before dawn until the evening of the next day. None of them escaped, except four hundred young men who mounted camels and got away. David rescued everything the Amalekites had taken. David also rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was missing, young or old, sons or daughters, spoil or anything else that had been carried off. David recovered everything. David took all the flocks and herds which the troops drove ahead of the other livestock, and they declared, This is David's spoil. When David reached the two hundred men who were too faint to follow David, and who had been left at the Wadi Besor, they came out to welcome David and the troops with him. David came forward with the troops and greeted them. But all the mean and churlish fellows among the men who had accompanied David spoke up, Since they did not accompany us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we seized, except that each may take his wife and children and go. David, however, spoke up. You must not do that, my brothers, in view of what Hashem has granted us, guarding us and delivering into our hands the band that attacked us. How could anyone agree with you in this matter? The share of those who remained with the baggage shall be the same as the share of those who go down to battle. They shall share alike. So from that day on it was made a fixed rule for Israel continuing to the present day. When David reached Ziglag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Yehuda and to his friends, saying, This is a present for you from our spoil of the enemies of Hashem. He sent the spoil to the elders in Bet-el, Ramath-Negeb, and Jatir, and Aror, and Sifmoth, and Eshitoma, and in Rakal, in the towns of the Jeralmielites, in the towns of the Kenites, in Horma, Bor-Ashan, and Athik, and to those in Chevron, all the places where David and his men had roamed. The Philistines attacked Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines, and many fell on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines pursued Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, Malchashua, sons of Saul. The battle raged around Saul, and some of the archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Saul said to his arms-bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, so that the uncircumcised may not run me through and make sport of me. But his arms-bearer and his great awe refused, whereupon Saul grasped the sword and fell upon it. When his arms-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. Thus Saul and his three sons and his arms-bearer, as well as all his men, died together on that day. And when the men of Israel on the other side of the valley and on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the towns and fled. The Philistines then came and occupied them. The next day the Philistines came to strip the slain, and they found Saul and his three sons lying on Mount Gilboa. They caught off his head and stripped him of his armor, and they sent them throughout the land of the Philistines to spread the news in the temples of the idols and among the people. They placed his armor in the temple of Ashtoreth, and they impaled his body on the wall of Bethshan. 
When the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard about it, what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their stalwart men set out and marched all night. They removed the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took the bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh, and they fasted for seven days. John eleven fifty five to twelve nineteen. 19 Yeshua therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was near at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought for Jesus, and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment, that if any man knew where he were, he should show it, that they might take him. Then Yeshua, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Yeshua, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the smell of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag, and bare what was put therein. Then said Yeshua, Let her alone, against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor you will always have with you, but me you have not always. Many people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Yeshua's sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Yeshua. On the next day many people were come to the feast when they heard that Yeshua was coming to Jerusalem. And they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. And Yeshua, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king comes, sitting on a donkey's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Yeshua was glorified, Then they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things to him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bore record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive you how you prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. Psalm 118, 1-18 O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endures forever. 
Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endures forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endures forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can men do to me? The Lord takes my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compass me about, yes, they compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. You have thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me sore, but he has not given me over unto death. Proverbs 15:24-26. The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. I'd like to speak to you today from 1 Samuel chapter 29 through 31. And in these chapters, we see a lot of significant events happen. So initially, we have the Philistines that are marching, and they are working with Achish, and they don't trust David. So they tell Achish they don't want David and his men to march with them when they come against Israel. So basically, Achish tells David to stand down and to at first, morning light, pick up and leave. In verse twenty, chapter 29, verse 2, it is written, The Philistine lords came marching, each with his units of hundreds and of thousands, and David and his men came marching last with Achish. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. It is certainly impossible that David would have been willing, as this verse implies, to wage war against Israel. Though he was fleeing from King Saul, David remains completely loyal to his people throughout his travails. In this instance, he feigns loyalty to Achish and uses the advantage gained by his trust to spy against the Philistines, gaining information which will later help him defeat this enemy. This is reminiscent of a more recent Israeli spy, Eli Cohen. During the 1960s, Cohen managed to infiltrate the highest echelons of the Syrian army, to spy on Israel's behalf. He provided the IDF with critical information that would assist Israel in the Six-Day War and enable it to liberate the Golan Heights. Though Cohen was captured and executed by the Syrians, the state and the people of Israel continue to benefit from his sacrifice to this very day. The Golan Heights is home to flourishing communities 
and provides great strategic value to Israel. Now let's jump ahead into chapter 30. And when David and his men arrive in Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid in the Negev and against Ziglag, and they had stormed Ziglag and burned it down. They had taken the women and the children captive. And David's own men began to turn against him. They were highly embittered against David because their wives and sons and daughters were gone. Verse 6, David was in great danger. The troops threatened to stone him, for all the troops were embittered on account of their sons and daughters. So what was David's response to this whole situation? David sought strength in Hashem, his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He turned to the Lord and looked to him for encouragement and for strength and for wisdom. And so he prayed and he asked the Lord. He inquired of the Lord, verse 8, Shall I pursue those raiders? Will I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall overtake and recover everything. You will rescue them. And so, again, this is another principle that we can glean from David, is that David had a tight relationship with the Lord, and he was a man of prayer. He would inquire of the Lord often and frequently for big decisions and little decisions. And this is something that we need to do in our walk with the Lord, is that we need to be inquiring of him, asking him for his leading and guiding as we make decisions throughout the day, as different situations pop up. We need to inquire of the Lord and petition him. So let's continue on. In verse 17, it says, David attacked them from before dawn until the evening of the next day. None of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and got away. So to backtrack, they find an Egyptian slave boy that they had, who had been abandoned by the Amalekites. So David takes care of him, revives him, gives him water and food. And then he asks this Egyptian slave boy, do you know where these Amalekites went? And the slave boy answers, you know, I'll show you where they went, as long as you don't return me to my master and turn me over to them. And so he shows David where they went, and then David and his men attacked them from before dawn until the evening of the next day, and none of them escaped except the 400 young men who mounted camels and got away. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. David successfully defeats the Amalekites and recovers everything they had taken. Amalek represents the epitome of evil as they sought to destroy the people of Israel for no reason. In the Torah, Hashem commands the children of Israel to wipe out this evil tribe. Throughout history, there have been continual battles against Amalek. Often it looks like Amalek or their successors might be victorious. However, in the end, God's people always succeed. This is one of the great lessons of Jewish history. Though it may take many years, the Jewish people always overcome their enemies. Now in verse 19 it reads, Nothing of theirs was missing, young or old, sons or daughters, spoil or anything else that had been carried off. David recovered everything. Now remember, he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord told him, you're going to get everything back. 
pursue, overtake, you will recover everything. And that's exactly what happened. When God speaks, he speaks truth. Now, in the next chapter, we have Saul, and he's in battle with the Philistines. And as the battle rages around him, um, remember Samuel, who was raised up by the witch of Endor, warned him and told him that you're going to die tomorrow in battle. So in verse 3, the battle raged around Saul, and some of the archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Verse 4, Saul said to his arms bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, so that the uncircumcised may not run me through and make sport of me. But his arms bearer, in his great awe, refused. Whereupon Saul grasped the sword, and he fell upon it. He fell on his own sword. So if you've heard that term, to fall on your sword, this is exactly where it comes from, from this seen in the Bible. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Normally, suicide is absolutely forbidden in Jewish law. However, there are rare exceptions. The sages teach that King Saul's death is even greater than his life. Though he knows it will lead to his death, he and Jonathan lead the army into battle. Rather than allow himself to be captured and killed, he falls on his sword, as he is well aware that the capture of a king of Israel would bring despair to the entire nation. Thus, Jewish law views King Saul as a prime example of self-sacrifice, as he sanctifies the name of Hashem and the people of Israel through his death. True leaders know that they don't represent themselves alone. They represent the entire nation and are therefore willing to make the necessary sacrifices. While Saul's death serves in Jewish law as the model of a rare, acceptable form of suicide, the most famous of such act in Jewish history took place on the mountain of Masada. According to Josephus Flavius in the Jewish War, the 960 Jewish inhabitants of the fortress on Masada the last Jewish stronghold against the Romans after the destruction of the Second Temple killed themselves rather than surrender to the Roman soldiers. And now I want to conclude with Psalm 118. And I love the Psalms because you can pray them. They're always very uplifting and encouraging especially when you're going through a trial, when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through some kind of suffering. The Psalms are a great place to go to be uplifted. Verse 6, Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord takes my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. Verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So, I don't know what trial or struggle or difficulty you might be going through, but I have a family member right now that is really going through a great trial, and life has been turned upside down, and housing needs to be established, income needs to be established, the family's been torn apart. And there's a great battle, a spiritual battle going on. But as this unfolds, what I am seeing is the hand of God moving strongly on behalf of this family member. And I see this family member putting her trust in the Lord and crying out to Him 
and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead her day by day by day. And I see the hand of the Lord upon her life. And it is so encouraging and refreshing to see. And so I just want to encourage you, those of you who are listening, whatever you might be going through right now, whether it's um, a loss of a job or loss of other income or loss of home or loss of a very valued relationship um, or persecution of some form, uh, keep crying out to the Lord, keep praying, keep talking to him, keep depending on him and trust him and he will be with you. Pray the word of God. Pray Psalm 118 as a prayer. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation or is become my Yeshua. Yeshua means salvation. I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. And the right hand of the Lord is Yeshua. The right hand of the Father, Yahweh, is Yeshua. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. And he lives to ever intercede for you and for me. Think about that. Yeshua prays for you. He intercedes for you. He loves you that much. Have a blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.